Adam Pengilly, good morning. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. And what's going on, Clarky? Preparing two pitches for a test match. You can't do that. Well, <laughs> India. Knows. Yeah, India can do whatever they want, can't they? Yeah, probably. I think, I think they're, they're both going to be, mate. One's either going to be an absolute belter for the first two days, and then it'll spin. Um, the other one's going to turn from ball one. So I think they're just giving Roald Sharma the, the option. And oh, I understand it. It's like you're saying, Rodio, here you go. <laughs> it's up to you. You make a choice. But don't come <laughs> blame us for not producing the pitch that you want. We're giving Ooh. you two options. Well, serious question. Like, how long out do they have to decide that? Are they yeah, deciding I, the, the day before or the morning of no, the game? Or what? Yeah, I don't know. I don't actually know the rule on that. I, I know the boys, you would be allowed, the captain's allowed to see the wicket as soon as you get to the stadium. So whatever day they start training, because mm. a lot of the time, even in, let's say, the Gabba, if you get really hot conditions, they like to leave the covers on during the day. If they've got the pitch ready three days before the test, for example, They'll leave the covers on all throughout the day. So when you're training, you don't get to see the strip, but you can go to the curator and say, can you, like opposition teams can as well, can you take the covers off so I can have a look? So you're allowed to do that. So the boys would have seen both wickets, but I don't know when you officially hand the ground over um, to the match referee to be able to say, rightio, this is the, this is the, it'd have to be. Today, would it? You'd think it's got to be. A date, a closest day before, but I reckon two days before the game starts, you'd think, yeah. because you need that time to. No matter you, if the wicket's dry, you got you have to water it at some stage. Mm. For example, mm. uh, you can't. You've got to cut the grass off. You got to mow the grass off the pitch, for example, to get it to a level where you're saying, okay, it's going to be two mils for, mm. or it's going to be six mils for the entire game. So you've got to you've got yeah. to do certain things. You've got to mark the creases. So you'd have to think latest twenty four hours before before the game kicks off. Mm-hmm. And did did I read right as well earlier this week? I heard you guys talking about the crowds in India for the test matches. Um, yeah, on yesterday's program. Did I read right? You have to buy tickets in India for all five days to actually go to a test match. You can't just buy a single day ticket. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Mm, yeah, I'm not sure. BCCI making their own No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I read <laughs> it somewhere go. that to go to a test match in India, you can't just buy a ticket for a single day for the first day or the second day or whatever. You have to buy a ticket for all five days. What's a ticket probably... cost over there? Adam, well, I'm know? not sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But which is probably explains why those T20 matches are so well so well attended. Yeah, true. And you look at a test match and you think, where's where's the crowd? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, they're expecting a hundred thousand here. Eighty five thousand yeah. though. Uh, with the <laughs> Prime Minister. <laughs> entourage. Cousins. You talk about entourage. Cousins. He's got the biggest entourage Family. I've ever seen. 85,000. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> him. Can, mate, can I well, the, other thing, the other thing they do really well in India, like even for the IPL games, that's why the stadiums are packed. They'll go to, so let's say Mumbai, they'll give tickets to all the school kids in Mumbai, or as many as they mm. pick certain schools, and that's why you see... And merchandise. Every kid gets a flag yeah, or right. gets a, a shirt. So they do that really well. So you would imagine here, even if they're not 100,000 sold tickets, there'll be 100,000 people in the crowd. Mm. All right. Some racing, uh, Adam. And the last chance saloon for the two-year-olds heading towards the slipper this week was just going through the honour rolls of the Pango Pango and the Magic Knight. I guess some more notable winners probably out of the Phillies, really. I mean, Kiyomichi was the one who sort of bucked the trend, wasn't she? But what, back in 20, uh, 2019 when she won and then went on to win the slipper the following week. But she's extreme, won last year. Of course, she went on by the end of the year to win an Oaks. 
Yeah, that's right, Jared. And James Cummings is an interesting one for me because he's nominated a number of his two-year-olds for the, the for the Pango Pango and the Magic Night this week, trying to, I suppose, give them top-up runs. Because we know that Barber, Zolfrakar, Exploring, they're already safely into the Gold Super Field as it stands at the moment. But he's got them nominated for these, I suppose, last-chance uh, saloon two-year-old races on the weekend. And you are right about Kiyomichi. She was the one that was the last one to, to race a week before the slip and then come back the week after and and win the Golden Slipper. I suppose that year was a bit of a funny year. It was a really horribly wet track in 2019, and she just settled on speed and just had the, the fitness on her side and just ran them into the ground, basically. I'm going to say we're not going to see something similar this year, obviously, with this dry spell of weather we've got in Sydney at the moment. But the two horses, I suppose, I'm looking at on the weekend that really need to, to win their way into the Slipper are Shinzo in the Colts and Geldings. Obviously, Chris Wallace had a big opinion of this horse all the way through, a couple of really nice runs to kick off his career, but he, he just has to win this week to try and get into the Slipper. And in the Magic Night, Blanc de Blanc for Michael Friedman's a horse who's had no luck so far in her career. She's had a couple of really nice runs facing the breeze and been close up to the winners, but unfortunately hasn't been able to get enough prize money to get into the slipper. So she's going to go off, I imagine, hard in the mark in that Magic Night, and she needs to win as well. So I suppose if one of those two horses can, can run well and, and do something there on the weekend, then I, I say they're a chance heading towards the Golden Slipper, but obviously they're down to their last, their last roll of the dice at the moment. What's the plan for Fangirl heading forward, Adam? Yeah, Lodz, this was an interesting one for me. Chris Waller announced yesterday or late last night on, on social media that she won't be running in the All-Star Mile on Saturday week. She was obviously one of the top 10 vote-getters as it stands. And I, I like the concept of, of putting these field out to a fan vote, but we've seen the last few years that just a lot of these horses are connections. They get voted into the race and then don't want to run because there's so many other options available. So... Chris Wallace announced that she'll be heading towards the George Ryder on Saturday week at Rose Hill on Slipper Day, which obviously held on the same day as the, the All-Star Mile. And Connections have got every right to choose what's the most suitable race for their horse. But I suppose if you're an organiser from Racing Victoria, it, I suppose it doesn't reflect too well on the race that Connections had a $5 million race and not wanting to run there. So we'll see Fangirl in Sydney. Other bit of news to come out of that race uh, yesterday is that Annabelle Nation was trying to get Oisheen Murphy down here to ride Laws of Indices in the race. He's a superstar jockey overseas in, in Europe. He had that little stink down here in Australia going back a few years ago, which probably helped kicked off his career in a, in a lot of respects, but he's gone from strength to strength overseas. So he's waiting for a visa approval to come back down to, to ride that horse. And obviously some really good news for Annabelle Nisham as well, that my Oberon's got that last wildcard spot now that um, Fangirl's out of the race. Uh, now, Ethan Brown, what's the latest with him after that awful fall in the Australian Guineas on Saturday at Flemington? Yeah, some really good news, Jared. He had some further surgery on Monday afternoon into Monday night, and the Victorian Jockeys Association reported yesterday that the surgery was successful. I think it was basically the third round of surgery he's had since that fall on Saturday afternoon, and he's starting to communicate with his family and friends in a very limited manner. So that's just really positive signs for Ethan. Um, obviously, those internal injuries and internal bleeding and the, the problems with his liver and kidney were a huge concern after that fall. So thankfully, he's been able to have some surgery relatively quickly in the first 24 to 48 hours after that fall. And let's hope he's on the mend. And if he's on the mend, and I'm, I'm sure it's going down that path at the moment, it's going to be a very long recovery process. I'd imagine he'll be out of the saddle and, and working through his rehab for months and months and months. But thankfully, the injuries were not worse from what we saw in that fall on the Australian Guineas on Saturday. Do you like anything at Kensington today? Yeah, a little bit of value, I thought, Loz, in the, in the two-year-old Phillies race. Race three, number one, Gold Lover, did a really good job, I thought, on debut at Hawkesbury there for Terry Croft. And when Ona Costum comes to town to take the ride, there's a whole lot of unraced Phillies and unexposed Phillies in this race. And I'm just hoping with a little bit of experience uh, at the racetrack and a bit of ring craft, I suppose, from her first run at Hawkesbury, and the form stood up well behind Stanislas, that she might be able to run a bit of a cheeky race at odds. So that's race 
Three, number one, gold lover, the best value on the program. $11 the win, two ninety the place with Tab. Oh, I meant to ask you as well, uh, King's Gambit's trial yesterday. I saw Lukey Marlowe uh, right on Twitter giving it a, a real rap. said, visually outstanding against mostly unraced horses in the trial. But, it, um, yeah, ridden cold, it explo- explodes to win a trial there at Royal Randwick yesterday morning. How good was it? Yeah, he was good, Jared. For me... Like he's still the sleeper in the Golden Slipper at the moment. Like we, we saw what he did a, on a debut down there at Caulfield last year, and then to me, I reckon the Snowdens have just tried to give him a couple of educational runs up here in Sydney, settling off the speed, trying to get him to, to flatten out and really hit the line. And he's probably been a little bit disappointing from a market expectation point of view. But I tell you what, there's just a bit of sense of timing about him. And the form around, you know, obviously Red Resistance looks really good. The form around Cylinder looks really good. He's only beaten less than a length by a Cylinder in the Silver Slipper, and we're talking about him being the the Golden Slipper favourite at the moment. So I'm not writing off King's Gambit at the moment. I thought his trial there yesterday was really good. I think the Snowdens will have him cherry ripe for Slipper Day on, on Saturday week. Have a good day, mate. See you, boys.